On January 20th, the Supreme Court will hear a case on the requirement that the jury be selected from a panel that represents a fair cross-section of the community. The court first announced this requirement as a constitutional mandate in 1975, and it was a hot topic for a time, but the court has said very little about it for many years. Diopolis Smith was convicted of murder in Kent County, Michigan, which is Grand Rapids and vicinity. In this county, African Americans are seven and a quarter percent of the population, and during the period in question, they were about six percent of the jury veneers. On appeal in the state courts, the questions were whether this representation was reasonable, and if not, whether the underrepresentation was caused by a systematic exclusion. The state court of appeals ruled in favor of the defendant, but the state supreme court reversed and affirmed the conviction. When Smith took his case to the federal court on habeas corpus, a 1996 act of Congress limited the federal court to asking whether the state court decision was contrary to or an unreasonable application of clearly established Supreme Court precedent. The first question in this case is whether the difference between the population and the jury pool is fair and reasonable. That question may turn on how the disparity is calculated mathematically. The absolute disparity method simply subtracts the two numbers, giving only a one and a quarter percent difference. Such a small difference is very unlikely to have an impact on the racial composition of the jury actually selected for a given case, and use of this method would likely result in a decision for the state. Critics of the absolute disparity method contend that it understates the degree of underrepresentation of small groups. They argue for the comparative disparity method, which looks at the ratio of the disparity to the group's share of the population. In the present case, that works out to an 18% comparative disparity. Critics of this method argue that it exaggerates the effect of small differences in the representation of small groups, producing seemingly large numbers out of differences that actually have very little impact on the composition of trial juries. A second controversy has to do with the source of the disparity. Unlike the early cross-section cases, there is no allegation here that the state is intentionally treating people differently according to suspect classifications such as race and gender. At the time of the trial in this case, the jury officials were liberally granting excuses from jury service to people who claimed hardship with child care or transportation issues. They also assigned jurors to their local district courts first and then assigned the remainder to the countywide circuit court which is where felony trials are held. These policies had an effect on the racial composition of the persons who reported for jury duty. For example, African Americans in this county were more likely to be single parents and therefore more likely to claim a hardship for child care. The Michigan Supreme Court said that the state had no obligation to overcome such naturally occurring conditions, but the federal Sixth Circuit disagreed. In a sense, then, this case involves the issue of whether the state need only refrain from discrimination or whether it must undertake affirmative action to keep the racial numbers proportionate. Another issue may end up being decisive, however. The final judgment of the state court can be overturned on federal habeas corpus only if the contrary answer was clear from Supreme Court precedent existing on the date of the state court's decision. On this point, the defendant's brief is very weak and the amicus briefs filed in support provide little assistance. 
The Supreme Court established the cross-section requirement in broad terms decades ago. It has said very little about it since, and lower court decisions are all over the map. This appears to be the kind of unresolved dispute on a debatable question where Congress has said the state court decision should stand unless the Supreme Court reviews it directly on a writ of certiorari. Finally, there is one more issue that the court may or may not address. In recent years, the Supreme Court has rewritten much of its Sixth Amendment jurisprudence. In two lines of cases beginning with Apprendi v. New Jersey and Crawford v. Washington, the court has been guided primarily by what it perceives to be the understanding of jury trial at the time the Sixth Amendment was adopted, placing far less weight on what the court itself has said in modern era. If this same emphasis were applied to the fair cross-section requirement, the obvious conclusion would be that the Sixth Amendment has no such requirement. Summoning jury pools from a representative cross-section of the community was considered enlightened policy in 1975, when the Supreme Court grafted it onto the Sixth Amendment, but much more restrictive policies were in force in every state in the Union in 1791 when that amendment was ratified. This issue has only been discussed in amicus briefs. It will be interesting to see if the champions of original understanding jurisprudence raise it in the argument on Wednesday.